Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. As we get into Matthew's Gospel, so let's pray. Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the things that you'll speak to us on tonight from the lips of Jesus, eternal things, big things, um, shape us, Lord, we pray. Uh, help us to, to grasp uh, the realities uh, that you set before us that will determine what we do with our lives. Uh, Lord, help us to see uh, the application in our own lives, what it means for us as a church. Uh, Lord, we pray that we'd have ears to hear these things um, and we ask it. For Jesus' sake. Amen. So here we are, Vision Sunday, and um, I feel like I'm booming. No? I'm good. Okay. Um, vision Sunday, talking about our vision for 2024, and it's a bit of a reset too, isn't it? As you think about what's your 2024 going to look like? How do you set your sail uh, for the year ahead? And I don't know if it's just me, I'm sure it's not, but isn't there so many people competing for your time and energy? Aren't there so many things you could give yourself to? So many uh, causes, people saying, how about this? Try this, invest in this, do this. Uh, you should be worried and concerned about this. Uh, so tonight's going to be really helpful. That happens for us as a church as well. Uh, what should we centre on? What's our core, core thing? Uh, how do you work out what's most important for you in 2024? How do we work out what's critical for us as a church? Um, so that's what we're looking at tonight. And I reckon, here's the thing, uh, nothing brings clarity more than a deadline. How do you go for deadlines? Uh, deadlines bring a sharpness, don't they? Uh, this thing is coming, you need to be prepared for it. Uh, I'm giving you warning, this is what you need to do, this is what's going to happen. Uh, I was listening to this um, podcast this week, I was talking about procrastination monkeys. Have you guys heard about this? Um, so the procrastination monkey is the monkey that's on your back, it's, it's figuratively, right? <laughs> it's not really a monkey. Um, and it speaks to you, he keeps saying, you know, no, no, don't worry about it, you've got plenty of time, you don't need to... Now, have you had this experience when you've got a deadline, you've got an assignment, you've got a work commitment? Uh, why don't you try and enjoy, just enjoy this, do this, get distracted? And that keeps going on and on and on until the deadline gets closer. And then there's another monkey that comes up. And you know, the name of that monkey is the panic monkey. And the panic money monkey wrestles the procrastination monkey to the ground and wins. Because at that point, you're so close to the end, you've got to work out, I've got to get done what I need to get done. What is the deadline, the deadline, that will bring the sharpest possible clarity to your life? Bring the sharpest possible clarity to us as a church? I want to say, it's the return of Jesus. Uh, it's that final day, that judgment day, when the Lord Jesus comes and judges the nations where we all stand before him. Uh, we're going we're to press into these things tonight. 
Uh, we can listen to Jesus' words about that final day uh, because it's so important to Jesus. Uh, how do you work out what's important to Jesus? It's the things he just keeps repeating. And through story after story, uh, he just keeps emphasising this day is coming, get ready for it. Uh, we're in the back end of Matthew's Gospel. There's lots of descriptions of, of that final day. It's, it's, it's the day of two destinations, of, of heaven and hell. It's where Jesus will call his people to himself, but will say to others, I do not know you. Uh, it, it is the, the day when some will be turned away into judgment and hell. And, and there's a really fascinating thing in, the, in, in these last couple of chapters of Matthew. What goes on in heaven, there's some shape to heaven that's determined by what went on in this life. You're there because of the grace of God, but there's, there's a connection between the two. Uh, what else is happening in these last few chapters, to give you a heads up, uh, Jesus keeps, saying, uh, keeps telling these parables, these stories to say, how dreadful would it be to miss out? And then similarly, how awesome is it going to be to look forward to it, to be part of it? Um, so that's the shape of what we're looking at tonight. And I want you to just uh, have this loom large in your life, this end day, this final day when Jesus will come to judge. Uh, and, and that's a weighty thing for us to think about tonight. That's a weighty thing for us to have in our minds for our lives but it's actually a really good thing because it's true, it's real, it's going to happen. And whilst that is weighty, it actually will relieve us of many other burdens. It actually helps us greatly as we work out what is important uh, in our life, what is worth focusing on as, as we press forward. Uh, so we're in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, open up there if you've got, got your Bible. Look on with someone. Matthew 25 verse 14. And let me give you a little bit more context. The chapter before, as Jesus talks about the end times when he will return, the disciples have already asked a question. And what do you think their question is? Well, the question is, when will this occur? Uh, beginning of chapter 24. And Jesus says to them, actually, no one knows the time or the hour. Don't try and work it out. Only the Father knows that. But let me tell you something more important. Let me tell you what it will be like. And so he goes on with the chapters ahead. This is what the kingdom of heaven, that final moment, will look like. And he tells a number of stories, a number of parables. And you might remember, if you're not familiar with the Bible, or if you are and you've forgotten, parables, uh, they're designed to get you interested, to get you intrigued. They're a story about this life, but they're more than that. What does that mean about the kingdom of God? Dig deeper, ask questions. Um, so that's what we're going to look at tonight as we look at one of those parables. And it's a particular one that talks about what are you investing in? What are you giving your life to? Uh, what are we investing in as a church as we apply it to us? So Matthew 25, look at the parable with me, verse 14. It's not a difficult parable. Uh, let me read it. Verse 14, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Uh, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Um, so, simple picture, you've got a master, and the master is wealthy, so he's, he's a prosperous man. Uh, he's a generous man. Uh, he's 
uh, entrusting his wealth to others. You get that impression it's his wealth, but he's giving it out to others according to their ability with the expectation that they'll invest that money, they'll do something with it to, to have a, a gain from his, his wealth. And he gives out different amounts. So first person, five bags of gold. Second person, two bags of gold. Third person, one bag of gold, according to their abilities. Now, what do the three people do with their wealth that he's been, that's been entrusted to them? Have a look uh, in verse 16. The man who received five bags of gold, he went out at once. He put his money to work and gained five more bags. Uh, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Uh, reminds me of that line in the castle, he dug a hole. Um, what, what's going on there? What, what, let's look at the master's response. So you, you get the idea, firstly, the first guy gets 100%, five more bags. Second guy gets 100% profit, two more bags. Third guy buries it in the ground. Um, what's the master's response? Well, verse 19, it's great joy and pleasure for the first two people, isn't it? Um, so what does he say to, say to them? Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Great joy, great celebration. Uh, the master's pleased, pleased with them. But what does the third guy have to say for himself? And how does the master respond? Look at verse 24. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came... Came, Master, he said, I, I knew you are, are a hard man, harvesting where you'd not sown and gathering where you'd not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And, and the response from the master is one of anger, isn't it? Do you notice that? It's, it's not just, oh, you didn't do so well, you know, Come on in. It's actually, I'm angry with you. Verse 26, the master replies, you wicked and lazy servant. Uh, so you knew that I'd, I, I harvest where I'd not sown and gather where I'd not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And notice what happens. The, uh, he takes from that person the one bag of gold he had and gives it to the one who made the extra five bags, the ten bags. And notice in verse 30, it's, it's actually more devastating. This, this, is, this third person is cast out of the kingdom. So angry is the master. Uh, it's, it's actually uh, the description of judgment and hell that Jesus uses. Out into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's meant to just give you that awful picture of judgment and hell and so this this third person it's the person who doesn't love the master the master doesn't want anything to do with doesn't know and, and takes from him to actually give to others as he casts out this third person well what are we meant to make of this parable how does that how does that relate to the jesus coming again uh, well, I think we're meant to see Jesus is the wealthy and prosperous master 
Uh, he's going on a journey. He's going to be out of sight for a time. Uh, that's what's happening. He's entrusting his disciples with something incredibly valuable. And when he returns, he's looking for a return on his money. Now, there's a few questions at that point, isn't there? When does Jesus go and then when does he return? Uh, what do you, how would you answer that? I, I think for the disciples, Jesus is going to go to the cross, face judgment for the sins of the world, and then he's going to return resurrected. He's going to show himself as the Son of Man, the one in all authority, um, after, at, at his resurrection. And so I think he's saying to the disciples... I'm going to give you, I've given you something incredibly precious. Will you be with me? How will I find you at my resurrection when I'm clearly seen as the Son of Man, the one in all authority? But if you're a reader of Matthew's Gospel, if we're reading this, we're thinking, that's already happened. There's another return of Jesus, isn't it? There's a return of Jesus that we're waiting for. Uh, it's Jesus appearing on that final day, that final judgment when he'll judge the nations, when everyone will come before him. So I think that's what, what, what's going on with the going and the coming for Jesus. But here's, here's another question for you. What do you think the bags of gold are meant to represent in this parable? Uh, what is it that Jesus is trying to teach for that? He's not, just give, he's not giving financial advice. Uh, it's something deeper than that. It's much, something much more important than that. What do you think the bags of gold are that he entrusts to different people? Um, What is it that is so valuable to Jesus that if you don't treat this well, you're you're not a disciple. You don't get me. And and what is it that Jesus wants? his disciples to use, to invest in, to multiply, so that they might uh, participate in the joy that comes with that investment. And what could be so important, what could be so valuable, that Jesus is angry to the point where he throws people out because they haven't respected this bag of gold? Uh, if, if you're familiar read of the Bible, you might have come across this parable before, and it, in my Bible it's titled, The Parable of the Bags of Gold, and it's got that phrase, bags of gold. Uh, but in, in other English versions, it's the parable of the talents. Have you come across this before? Uh, you might even have that in your version. Uh, and a, a talent is just a weight of, a measure, a weight of gold, uh, a, a way they used um, money in, in the first century. But it's, it's kind of an unfortunate word, talent, because over the years people have thought, well, that applies, the parable of the talents, Jesus giving out talents, is that Jesus giving out talents and abilities? And so it's an obvious application. Uh, what are we doing with the abilities, the talents that God's given us for the sake of the kingdom? Now I want to say, I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at. We'll get to that in a moment, but first and foremost, more important than that, there's something else going on here, uh, something more significant that Jesus is giving out, something more valuable. And the clue is in verse 29. Have a look at verse 29. Jesus says, Forever has, has will be given more, 
and they'll have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now that very line Jesus has used before. Um, I won't get you to turn there, but back in chapter 13, verse 12, it's the parable of the four soils. Uh, And Jesus uses that exact line... And what is it that he's talking about? What is it that he's given to the disciples in that parable? Well, uh, up, up here on the screen, from Matthew 13, it's the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is saying, that's what I've given you that's so precious. That's what I'm um, making you responsible to invest in. Whoever has done well there, I will will enjoy, uh, great, there'll be great celebration. It's like Jesus is saying, I've given you the words of eternal life. Uh, Jesus is saying, here is the gospel that if people trust in this gospel, this message, they'll enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what the disciples are carrying around with them. Uh, it's why Jesus refers, in, in lots of other chapters, he refers to it as a treasure in a field. Because it's so valuable, so precious. Uh, in other parts, he, he refers to it as like a precious pearl, uh, unique and expensive and precious. Or in other part, Matthew, Matthew 16, he talks about it as the, the keys to the kingdom. You've got the, the very keys that open the door to the kingdom of heaven. How valuable are those keys? That is massively valuable. That is extraordinarily precious. And you can see now why Jesus is so excited to, to say to them, enjoy this with me as this gets multiplied. You're going to be part of this. Uh, and it's, you can see why Jesus is so angry when people don't respect this. When people bury the keys to eternal life. Uh, when people don't realise they've got a treasure in their very hands and hearts. They've buried it. Uh, It's why Jesus is so angry with the religious leaders of the day. It's why there's condemnation on Israel at this point, uh, here in in the Gospels. See, they've had the precious promises of God. They've had the treasure right there with them. And it hasn't borne fruit. They haven't even recognised the Messiah, Jesus. So I reckon the third person in this, in this parable who buries, the, treasure, buries uh, the bag of gold, it's not a disciple that hasn't been faithful. Jesus, I think Jesus is getting at, this isn't a disciple. That's why they're cast out. Uh, they don't get it. They don't know me. They don't get me. They, they haven't understood this precious thing that I've given them, the words of eternal life. And so Jesus cast them away. Uh, It's a bit like finding the cure for a deadly disease or discovering a vaccine and then hiding it. Why would you do that? If you do that, you, you don't respect what you've got in your hands. You don't respect the person who's developed it. You don't love and care for the people that need it. You don't get it. Um, I was learning this afternoon, there's the guy that developed the vaccine for polio. Uh, So when 
polio. Most of us don't even know what polio is, but it was a, a disease that killed people in the 40s and 50s at, at, at its peak. Uh, it would paralyse people or kill people. Um, about half a million people worldwide every year uh, would die from polio. And Dr Jonas Salk, in 1955, develops the vaccine and he doesn't put any legal pa- uh, pattern on it. He doesn't want anything to get in the way of this vaccine getting out to every single person across the globe because he wants lives saved. Um, and so people ask him, aren't you going to put some legal protection on this? Aren't you going to benefit it? No, no, no. no I, I don't want anything in the way of this going out to the whole world. This is so precious. And it's the case with the words of eternal life, isn't it? People are dying. People are about to face the judgment of God. We have the words of eternal life. The disciples are carrying within them the very key to the door to eternal life. I reckon that has massive implications for us, doesn't it? As we... Uh, think about our relationships as we think about the people we know speaking the words of eternal life as we have opportunity Uh, not hiding the very precious thing that God's given us but speaking it Uh, it it has an impact for us as a church doesn't it that there's our job we're the beacon on the hill Uh, there's there's our job we are the the ones that proclaim this message out to a needy city Uh, we need to make the biggest possible splash for Jesus in Wollongong because it's people's lives at, at stake. Uh, it's why we just keep thinking big and bigger and more people because thousands of people don't know Jesus in Wollongong. But what, about, what about our talents and our abilities? Uh, does this passage have anything to say about that? Well, I reckon it does. It's not the first thing that uh, is on view here but it's it is true that God has given us talents and abilities uh, gifts resources, time he's given us money uh, what are those things for? now they're, they're for lots of things aren't they? God in his graciousness has given them for us to enjoy uh, to, so we might live so we might love uh, others Uh, so we might give to the poor, all those kind of things. And so we might make disciples for eternity. Uh, It's like God's caught us up in this, I'd say, a gospel enterprise of the gospel going out to the ends of the earth. Uh, And Jesus is the CEO of this company. We are the workers in his company. He's a gracious, generous boss. And he gives us resources... He gives us time, he gives us, gives us money, he gives us abilities. Uh, he entrusts them to us so this life-saving gospel might go out to the ends of the earth. And so it, it, kind of, it just radically changes the way you think about your time, your money, your abilities, doesn't it? As you think about 2024, how, how will I serve in God's kingdom? Uh, what will I do with my money? Uh, will I give it to this cause of the gospel? Uh, what will I do with the education I've got, the gifts I've got, the abilities I've got? How could I use them towards the gospel going to the ends of the earth? Uh, it's, different, it's different for all of us, isn't it? 
we've been given different things. We are different people. Uh, all together, we have a different contribution to make. But it's one goal, isn't it, of making disciples, making lifelong disciples in Wollongong and beyond. It was super encouraging. Uh, last weekend, um, we had here at Salt a thing called Kingdom Focused, uh, and about 15 or 20 people came along to that across the weekend. Uh, and it was this weekend of thinking into Jesus has died, Jesus has risen, Jesus is gathering his church, the end is not far away when Jesus will return. What am I going to do with my life? How am I going to use what God has given me in for the rest of my life? And it's just massively encouraging to see, see people think about that from, from here, from 5pm. Think about what has God given me? How might I use that for the kingdom for the rest of my life? Uh, it, it's a great challenge for us tonight as we think about God has given us much and he'll expect much from us. Um, what are we doing with what God has given us and are we investing in the kingdom of heaven? Uh, that applies to all of us, it applies to us as a church. And we're going to talk a bit more about that with Andy in, in a moment but as we, uh, as I finish up, I want to just talk about the nature of investing. We've been talking about investing tonight. I reckon here, here's a big thing with investing. Investing involves risk. Yeah? You've got to make a wise choice, an educated um, decision. But it does involve risk. I'm going to use my time. I'm going to use my ability. I'm going to give my money. I don't have total control on how that will look. Uh, when it comes to the kingdom of God, I don't know how people respond as I put the word out there, as I talk to people about Jesus, as I invite. Uh, that's the nature of investing, having a go, um, taking a risk. But he, here's the thing, how much risk do you reckon you'll take? How much do you reckon you'll give of yourself, your abilities, your time, your money... How much will you give of all those things? Here's three things as we finish. I reckon that will determine that, answer that question for you. Three things from the parable we've seen tonight. I reckon the first one is, how convicted are you that the end is actually coming? If you think this life is all there is, why would you give to the cause of Jesus? It's being convicted that Jesus is returning that means I'm prepared to put it on the, on the line for Jesus. I'm going to invest in what he is doing, this eternal work, uh, because Jesus is returning. I reckon that conviction of the last day just brings that razor-sharp clarity to what my life is about and what I'm to do with the things I've been given. I was reading this week, there's a guy um, by the name of John Harper, uh, who lived more than 100 years ago, and he was on the Titanic as it was sinking. Can you imagine taking that voyage, this mass, massive ocean liner that was, was meant to be the latest in technology, uh, sinks in the Atlantic Ocean. And there he is in the water, he's a Christian man, and he's, he's seeing all these people about to die. And uh, he, he's... He, he, I think he had his daughter with him and he made sure his daughter was okay. She, he put her in a lifeboat. Uh, but then he started swimming out to people 
and pleading with them to trust Jesus. See, at that moment, it just be, it's crystal clear what, he, what you need to do, isn't it? We're all about to die. Uh, we, we, we don't, it's, we're talking minutes here. Let me tell you about Jesus. You need to trust Jesus. Uh, and he went back to people several times. And it's an immensely clarifying position for the person in the water, isn't it? I'm about to die. There's no more distractions. There's no more what-ifs. I'm going to make a call on Jesus because my time is about to end. There was a guy that was converted in the water and then he returned to it. He, he was saved. He was rescued in the end. He went back to America. I didn't get to explore his, his life. But gee, as he heads back into America, he could so easily lose that clarity, couldn't he? He could so easily be distracted and uh, deterred or, or not think that Jesus is coming again. When he was there in the water, it was crystal clear. The end is coming. That makes some decisions for me. So are you convicted on that the end is coming? Second one is, uh, it has to do with your ability to put to good use the things that God has given you. Uh, how much will you have? How much does Jesus give out? It feels like in this parable that Jesus is giving it out according to your ability, according to how much you get this. It's kind of like, why would God give you more if you don't know how to handle what you have? It's there for the kingdom. It's there to be generous with. Uh, what are you doing with it? Do you get it? Uh, do you have that razor-sharp focus for the kingdom so that you might put to good use what God has given you so that he might give you more, so you might put that to good use for the sake of the kingdom too? And here's the third one. I reckon the third one has to do with your view of Jesus, your view of the master. Um, see, notice for the t- first two people, they had a very different view of the master than the third person. What's the third person's view of the master? He is stingy. He is a taskmaster. He doesn't care. He's going to rip me off. He just wants to benefit from me. That's not Jesus at all. That person doesn't even know Jesus. You won't give yourself to that kind of master. But what, who is Jesus? What do the first two people get? He's the one who's abundantly generous, abundantly gracious, the one who wants to share things with you so that you might share in the kingdom. It really has to do with your view of Jesus. How much you'll give yourself. We're going, to, we're going to pray in a moment. Um, but there's a challenge for us tonight. Uh, what will you do with the things that God has entrusted you to? Uh, we're going to talk in a moment, what, what will we do at Salt Church with the things that God has entrusted to us? And what will Jesus say to you on that last day? How will Jesus find you uh, as he looks for a return on his investment?